Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, click the link in the show notes to join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Uncensored Empath, a place for us to discuss highly sensitive energy, illness, healing, and transformation. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Think of this podcast as your no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship. You'll get straight to the point, totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing and growth journey right beside you. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back to another episode. This may truly be one of my favorite conversations to date. My guest is Linda Logue, and she and I had never connected prior to the conversation that you're going to hear between us today, but I really left feeling like I had gained this amazing person in my life that is so full of wisdom and inner knowing and her ability to channel is so powerful. We also realized that we live really close to each other here in Colorado. So Linda Logue is an end-of-life doula and intuitive reader. She's been doing this work for the last 40 years, and she helps us when our loved ones enter that last stage of life or are in a non-responsive comatose state to help us realize how alive and awake they actually are and to be that mental telepathic channel between us and the dying. So she is going to talk about what that process looks like today and how she has been able to be a really, really powerful conduit for those who are nearing the end of their life. You're going to hear us talk about death and dying in a way that is 
so healing, so, so healing. And there's also some really interesting components that I never understood or realized that Linda is going to demystify for us today around the aura colors and how your aura colors begin to change as you near end of death and how horses can show up and that when we have loved ones that pass, there are still ways to use things like the body pendulum to be able to communicate with their soul. I found this conversation extremely healing. And again, Linda is such a wealth of knowledge. I hope you guys gain so much from this conversation. And one of the things that I took away from our conversation is just a deeper state of peace and calm around the death and dying process that is something that is more standard or traditionally seen as such a fearful process that people are terrified of. And the work that Linda does is one example of how we can bring more beauty into our lives and into this transition process. So without further ado, let's dive into this conversation. Linda, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. So you are an end-of-life doula and an intuitive reader, and we just spoke briefly on the phone this morning, but something that you shared was that you didn't always know that you had this ability to tap into those who are in the last stages of their life. I would love for you to begin by just sharing with us how you were able to uncover this ability and, and know that you had access to this. When I first started reading, I would shut my eyes quite often and look at the person and I noticed colors. Our colors are a river. They run from right shoulder, mid chest, left shoulder. They're our aura colors. It's a river. And um, I noticed all kinds of pictures and everything that came up. And so one of the clients that I was reading for, her husband was in the last stages of dying. She asked me to come and read for her. Honestly, didn't know if I could do it. So I went and she introduced to me to her husband, Bill, and I asked permission to read for him or speak with him. Mm-hmm. I held his hand and skin touch is really important, totally toward the end. And uh, closed my eyes and I walked into his world and I said, and I speak out loud when I'm talking to them. Mm-hmm. Hi, Bill. My name is Linda. And he goes, oh my God, you can hear me. Uh, and it was on. And that's how it started. Mm -hmm. And um, once you connect in with them, they ask, am I dying? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it going to hurt? No. Why can't everybody else hear me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you see people who are dying when I'm working with them. You see the black horses and you pay attention to where they are. Are they running? Are they just walking? What are they doing? If they're running, the end is near. Mm. and you explain all this to them and what's going to happen and it's amazing and that's how I realized I could do this as I've got further along in this ability I can now do that for people who cannot speak for themselves Mm -hmm. who have been injured or autistic whatever the occasion is I can always connect with them Mm -hmm. and speak for them it's an amazing gift that just keeps giving 
So amazing. I'm sure it's brought so much comfort to, to families. I want to go back to what you said about the horses because I've never heard this before and it's fascinating. So I'd love to know more about what shows up and is the person who is nearing end of life seeing the horses or do you see the horses? I see the horses from every reading I've ever done with a person that's dying. I've always seen horses and they're big, they're black, they're beautiful, mm -hmm. um, flowing black mane and tails and emerald green eyes. Mm. Oh my God. And they're on the black Oro river. And by that time, the black is slick. It's black. It's intense. It's breathing. Your aura colors literally breathe, which is amazing. And so you, you look at where they are. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? And then once they start to move, you know the end is coming. Okay. And I've started, um, when I'm done with them, no matter how long it takes, uh, I'm not there for just whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm there for however long they need me mm -hmm. and the family needs me. Mm -hmm. And when they're in full gallop, five to ten days, and they have crossed over. That's when you know that it's you know, happening or about to happen. About to happen. Okay. And so some days, sometimes I spend maybe five or six hours with them and they're, they're good. And other times they want me there for a week. They want me there every afternoon to be with them, to talk to all the family members as to what's going on. And then when the family members are there, that's when I speak for him who cannot speak. Mm -hmm. And I use all their words. And sometimes it's like, did you pay the bills? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the house keys? Um, where did you put this? Um, but by that time, they know their loved one is fine. Yeah. They're okay because they're fully awake and they can feel and sense everything. And when you are working with them and you're holding their hand and my eyes are shut for the entire time, you move with them between heaven and earth. Mm. oh my it's like it's intoxicating you feel this love this peace this sharing this knowing oh my god it's the best ever I mean not only is it a gift for me to work with that person and the family but it's a gift for me too the knowingness that you mm -hmm. get oh it's unbelievable I can only imagine just like the amount of experiences that you have had and how that has really changed your life being able to be in that transition with mm -hmm. people as they're preparing to cross over as they do cross over. And I want to go back to the aura colors because that's also really fascinating to me. We all have an aura as we know, and mm -hmm. you mentioned the black and the transition to the black horses. What other things do you notice or see? Are there any themes that you see in the way our aura changes as we near end of life? When you are first going into the end stage, you are kind of in and out. The pictures are completely different. There is a downward spiral. It's always green and it's soft and it always has flowers in it. And that way you're still being able to talk to the person and that starts to fade once they're sliding into the end. Okay, so in your aura colors, you always see black first. 
if I don't see black first and it breathing, you know, there's something definitely wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and from all of the colors that come up can be, um, people, animals, guides, lots of dragons are coming in now. Mm -hmm. Uh, dragons are elementals that have the earth, air, fire, water element to them, but you always have your dragon with you too, Mm -hmm. as well as your guardian angel and your guide. Mm -hmm. And then everyone else that comes in. And so up through the colors come people who may want to say something or animals that are going to let you know that they're going to be there with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Family, people, members, whoever wants to talk uh, and let them know that they're going to be there. They all come up and then they're kind of aware of them at that point. As they get really close to the end, they're very aware of Mm -hmm. them and the angels that fill the room. Now, when, when the angels start filling the room, I always feel mm-hmm. um, the brushing. I don't see them, but I can feel them. Mm-hmm. The brushing of the feathers or the soft breeze that goes by, um, I can always hear all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always communicating you know, wishes, wants, desires, all this kind of stuff. And then the colors just change as to the people that come through, uh, mm-hmm. orange, orange, red, or orange, creativity, red, orange, red energy, uh, the creativity that's coming through with this. And it, it's amazing. And you see the, the knowledge that they bring with them from all of the past incarnations that they have, because knowledge is yellow and it goes from soft yellow to deep gold. Mm. And obviously they've been around a long time and it's amazing to see how how long that color can be mm-hmm. and the knowledge and the amazing and you feel this this energy this kind of love and passion of what kind of person they were yeah i'm curious if you felt you had the ability to connect to energy or spirit prior to holding the hand of um, that client's husband who is nearing end of death mm-hmm. and that being like the moment when you realize you could also utilize this mental telepathy that you, in your words. Mm-hmm. And also what is the process you go through when you are, are you walking mostly into hospital rooms and then grabbing someone's hand? And like you said, you're spending different amounts of time, depending on what the person wants or what the family desires. I'd love to just know a little bit more about what this journey being with somebody in these very sacred moments at the end of their life are like, and also if that's something that you've always been able to tune into. Right. Um, I grew up just knowing things and dreaming of the the next day and it would happen. Um, being able to feel energies, just know things. And I thought everybody grew up like that. You know, when you, you feel that you're supposed to do this and you follow it, then it just progressed from there to just knowing this and finally realizing that I was intuitive and therefore started reading everything and taking classes. And then it just, it, the more I did, the more it became apparent yeah. of what I was doing. And just by shutting my eyes when I was working with someone, oh my, that it just leaped forward to Mm -hmm. this. I go to hospice, I go to nursing homes, I go to the client's home, wherever they happen to be, I am okay with. Mm -hmm. And um, the one thing that I do before I see anyone 
is a ground between heaven and earth. Highly important. Um, being I would anchored. imagine that's critical to the work you do because, I mean, you described it as this like intoxicating feeling moving between heaven and earth. And I imagine that if you aren't grounded, that could create a ton of anxiety for you as this conduit. Yes, I ground every day faithfully. Um, I, I mean, I, I also put it on automatic, so I'm always grounding, but I'm faithful in doing that. And I'm always teaching and I can ground the person that I'm working with mm -hmm. easily. It's like visualize the pure and perfect white light of God coming down through the top of your head all the way to the bottoms of your feet as you breathe in. As you breathe out, you exhale all negativity, anything you want to get rid of. Mm -hmm. Do that three times, bring that in and go into Mother Earth. Poof. And then the, the next breath is down through Mother Earth back up to God, coming across the back of the shoulder into the left hand, and then you're grounded. Mm -hmm. So you do that for the person, but you never do it at the same time you're grounding yourself. That That's not a good thing. You do it separately, and then you can actually ground everyone in the room with you also. So we're all on a level playing field. And I go in and I always ask soul self, may I do this for you? Yeah. You always ask permission. You never just do. And then, you know, you're good to go. And if you feel that you ever need more protection or more being grounded, you can bubble up this beautiful bubble around you with mirrors always on the outside looking out. Mm -hmm. So nothing negative comes in, but everything positive can go out and fill it with whatever color you need. It's amazing. I'm imagining so, you walking into this space wherever the person is. Like you mentioned, mm -hmm. you go to wherever they are. And being able to have that physical touch to access the, mm -hmm. their soul and that mm -hmm. mental telepathy to be able to be this channel for them. And well, it's like you're the, the, this messenger between the person who's nearing end of life and the family yes. members. And so I'm so curious, just what are most family members seeking? Or I'm, I'm sure they're all different, but is there anything you see in what they're typically wanting to know? And then also, I imagine it's probably healing for both parties, the person who maybe can no longer communicate uh, for whatever medical reasons and the family. And can you give us a little sense of what sometimes happens and like what the experience is for each side of the Right. The communication. They want to know, first off, are they in pain? Are they okay? Are they ready to go? Yeah. Um, mainly not being in pain is very important to them. And this really is the time that they're ready to go. And then they want to know that they're okay with this, that um, I'm really ready to go. And then once they're okay with knowing that they're okay, and that they're not in pain and everything is ready for them, then the wife, the husband, the daughter, Finn, family, then they relax. Mm -hmm. And once they know that they can still talk with them and laugh with them, which is very important, mm -hmm. then both sides start to relax. And then sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's a party. It's mm -hmm. a lot of laughing and sharing and oh i'm so happy you're okay and and that everyone is there but this is the point when everyone is all right and comfortable with each other and knowing that their loved one they can ask all kinds of questions uh, this is when i give them the tool to talk to them 
themselves. This is when I teach what's called the body pendulum. It's very simple. Forward is yes, back is no. And I, I teach them this. It's very simple to learn. You can use this for anything in your life, but you need to learn to trust it first. So this is they have to ask yes and no questions, but it works. Mm-hmm. And they can talk with their loved one afterwards. And I always remind them that they need to give them time after they've crossed. And to know that they're okay. And that is so incredibly comforting to know they're okay where they are. Mm -hmm. And they still, while they're laying there on the bed or wherever they are, they still want to be touched, but not rubbed in the same spot constantly. Mm -hmm. Very annoying. Mm -hmm. But to have their hand held, touch their face, hug them, Mm -hmm. um, kiss them Mm -hmm. is so incredibly important because even though they can't respond at that time they are responding emotionally yeah it's it's just a a wonderful gift for them what's really coming to the surface of my mind is this is such a stark contrast between the way i think most of society sees end of life and death and there's so much Mm -hmm. fear circulating around the fear of dying, but also the fear of losing the people who are closest to us and we love most in this life. Mm-hmm. And the way you're describing this is so much more peaceful. That's the energy I'm getting is there's a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. There's a groundedness. There's an acceptance. There's a love. There's even laughter, like you said. Yeah. And that's so different than I think the way most people visualize or imagine the end of our life. And so I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Maybe that's part of what inspires your work so much is giving people a different experience than what we see in a movie or a TV show, or we just have in our minds. Mm -hmm. I know. I, and this is something that I am so passionate about is being able to help as many people and for them to pass this on to everyone else Mm -hmm. that it is, it's just an ending of this body. Mm-hmm. We never die. And the ones that have left and have gone to heaven, they're happy. They're good. And the ones that are left behind, they just need this knowingness that it's okay and that they can still continue to talk and they can still know that they're, you know, the ones who have left, they turn around and you're there. Mm-hmm. Just like my mother says, oh, honey, it's okay. You'll be here soon. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I've got 30 years left. It's just a blink of an eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like we're all we're all going to die at some point. This is an yes. inevitable truth and yet there is still so much fear that can surround and and circulate it. And I'm curious when you do connect into and you're the conduit for the person who's nearing the mm-hmm. end of life, do you notice that there's overarching peace or are there still glimmers of fear in that person? Again, this is of course like a generalization because I'm sure every person's different, but I'm just curious on what you notice as they're approaching like is there peace, is there groundedness, or are there regrets, and I wish I had done this in my life? Yes, some people are very fearful because they just, they've been, oh my God, death is terrible, Mm -hmm. and they're very fearful. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you can explain that it's not, and you tell them what to look for, look for the white tunnel, look for this, look for this, then all of a sudden they start to relax. Once they have gotten over the fear part and the 
regret. And regret is, well, I never told her this, or I never said that. That's what I'm for. Use their words exactly, even though they might not mean anything to you, but exact verbiage is highly important. Mm -hmm. They go, oh my God, it's really them. And we do the, the forgiveness. We do the regret. We do the, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have made different choices in the people on the other side. But once you explain that once they get to heaven, all of this is gone and they continue on being a valuable part of society. Um, because when we get to the other side, we don't have to eat, drink, or sleep, but we can create whatever reality we want there and be of service and be working. And my parents were teachers. They're still teaching. Mm -hmm. And they love to dance and they love to sing and they're doing that also. Mm -hmm. So when my father died, he was ready to go. No regrets. He reached all his goals. He was an amazing teacher and tutor. Even after he quit teaching, he was still tutoring children. He and his best friend in life, I call him my Bob. <laughs> um, uh, he is he's an amazing man. And his heroes were teachers. And he got, he and my father got to do this, do their, their life's work, their dream, and to be teachers. And I still talk to my Bob every week, even though we don't live in the same state anymore. Um, so my dad was ready to go. My mom was ready to go. Mm -hmm. My brother, he was completely ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, and when people die a very peaceful death, they cross over and... Their loved ones are all waiting for them and their animals and everything. And then they progress into the, the next life there. When they have been badly damaged, wounded, had a horrible death, quite often, I mean, they're out of their body and they're gone mm -hmm. immediately. There's no consolation. There's no understanding. They're just here today and gone in a blink. Yeah. Those souls are cocooned. It's called cocooning. Uh -huh. And those souls are tended to so that they have the healing and the understand the angels are there nursing, literally nursing them back to health mentally, emotionally, spiritually, yeah. so that it takes a long time for, for that soul to talk. My friend Diana, um, we met when I was an international flight attendant mm -hmm. and I was flying and she was my next door neighbor. The woman was stunningly gorgeous. She died quickly. Mm -hmm. very quickly just she was dead before she hit the ground mm -hmm. um it took three years before i ever heard from her mm -hmm. and so she explained the process that she went through um and now i still get to talk to her it's so awesome to be able to talk to her and some of my other friends that i was there for to be with them before they died mm -hmm. um incredibly um peaceful now yeah. I'm, I feel like you're reading my mind because I, maybe your intuition's coming out. I was going to ask you what the difference between, you know, the experiences that you're able to be a conduit and a witness to, which is more conducive to a slower death when you know death is approaching, when the mm -hmm. family knows death is approaching versus most of the losses that, that I've experienced in my life have been sudden losses. Uh, my brother Jordan mm -hmm. died from suicide, um, very shocking to, to all of us. And then my brother Joe died from an accidental drug overdose, also very shocking. It was a week after my wedding um, in mm -hmm. 2019. 
And so that like heightened, quickened, speed up, sped up process makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense that they would kind of like fast track, but then also need kind of like this reconciliation, this healing period. And I actually had a, a reading last summer with an Akashic Records reader, and she mentioned to me that my brother Jordan had been in it sounds very similar to what you're describing the cocoon. She called it a healing pod. And she was like, mm-hmm. he needed a lot of time in this healing pod to be able to reconcile and heal from a lot of the pain that he experienced on earth and what it was like mm-hmm. to be a human. And he, like myself and most of my family was just like very highly sensitive and mm-hmm. felt everything. And so that made so much sense to me, but I love if just there's anything else coming to mind, or if you can expand on what the different experience would be in a, um, more like peaceful, slower end of life and eventually death versus more of like, a sudden death, a tragic death, um, or like even just like your friend who may have um, died of natural causes, but like still very suddenly. Mm-hmm. My father's was a long, slow death, and so was my brother's. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother died when he was 40. Mm-hmm. Um, he had inoperable brain lesions, and he knew his death was coming. Mm-hmm. But because my parents took care of him, he always said during his entire life, if I die at 40, I will have lived three year, three lifetimes, and he did. My brother was an uh, international exporter and an architect. Mm-hmm. Um, so the long extended death, they were incredibly peaceful, uh, especially when um, my father died. He was He was so excited to be on his journey. He was happy. He was in hospice. He was, and the nurse, he's like, now tell me how much longer I have to go. And she looked at me and I said, yes, it's okay. He's excited by having that knowledge of when they're going, how they're going, the transition, incredibly peaceful. Mm -hmm. And then just me talking with dad and letting him know what was going to happen. Um, Yes. It's so much easier on the people, on the person. And I don't think everybody realizes that they come in for a specific reason, like the babies that die at birth. They come in with the agreement with the parent that they are going to experience this, and this is what they experience, and then all of the emotional after that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely believe that, and I'm on the same page with that. Uh, um, I've had two, pre- I'm seven months pregnant right now, and I had two previous pregnancies that were. Mm-hmm only about seven-ish weeks. Mm -hmm. And I just truly felt like those souls or that, I don't, I also believe that a soul can return down to you more than once and return, but those felt like two separate energies. And I just believe in my heart, there's like a clear knowing, a clear cognizance in my being that they came down knowing that they would not be fully born earth side, but that then mm-hmm. they, they could come back at another time to revisit me. And they will. Mm-hmm. And they said to tell you, they're very grateful mm. for you doing that for them. Mm. Thank you. I received that. And this pregnancy feels like it may be one of those souls that has returned back and 
I just feel it's, it's a little girl I know now feel so connected to her and this time I mean there was a lot of fear after having loss but mm-hmm. I'm finally at a place in this pregnancy where I feel so confident that like this baby is coming like she is coming earthside she is going to be here and there's an excitement around that um she's very intuitive she's very healthy Mm-hmm. She's got this bright light that just shines from her. Oh, she's amazing. I feel yeah. that she's going to be some type of healer, speaker, change maker on this planet. Like I very much feel her power. And yes. when now, I mean, she's literally inside me right now. So I feel like I'm channeling part of that power and that that's going to be. But you're right. You're right. you so right on. Yeah. It's it's uh, totally awesome. And you're right. It was one of the ones that you lost mm-hmm. that have come back to you. And thanking for that experience. And now they just want to get on with it. Mm-hmm. And they're so happy that you get to be their mommy. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get emotional. I just feel so blessed that I was able to get pregnant mm-hmm. again and that... I mean, we've had some very scary moments in the last seven mm-hmm. months, but every single time it's, it's turned out that everything's okay. And she's mm-hmm. looking like in the 81st percentile and healthy. And we're just so excited to invite her into our lives and to be able to grow our family. And yeah, there's just a sense of like connectedness and peace with this pregnancy, whereas the mm-hmm. other two were sudden like just mm-hmm. okay this is not happening um yeah and that transition whether it's people who have experienced miscarriage or pregnancy uh or like you know having my a relationship with my brother for 25 years and 26 years respectively the loss is interesting to me the grief is interesting to me mm-hmm. in that we grieve both whether we met them or not um, mm-hmm. but it's a slightly different type of grief. Um, maybe yes. slightly, it, it's a different type of grief. Mm-hmm. And also going back to what we were talking about, like that, it, it feels kind of like on all of these losses, they were like, like this, <laughs> I'm using sound effects cause I don't know how to put it into words like this, like, oh, like yeah. shooting out, of okay. Like we're earth side. Now we're on like spirit side mm-hmm. versus a death that maybe because of like a a terminal illness or something that you know Mm -hmm. is kind of like progressing in such a way. And I just find that fascinating the way that there's a difference in not only the grief of the people who Mm -hmm. are still here on earth, but also it sounds like from what you've been able to channel and experience, there's a difference in their healing process as they cross over. Is that right? Totally. Because they've, they've gotten to experience with you what, both of you needed to experience and it's like oh okay mm-hmm. thank you for this thank you for allowing this thank you for doing this for me because it had to be in total agreement on the other side before you did this and all the things that we've chosen to experience for our our growth um yeah wow some of the things we we bite off to to do it's like okay here we go mm-hmm. it's an adventure <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, you know, the ones that choose not to come back, do you realize that they still grow up on the other side and they're happy, healthy, 
individuals and that may at some point experience want to come back. My brother does not want to come back for a long time. He's gone, been there, done that, had many lives. Yeah. I am resting. <laughs> I feel that way about both my brothers. They're like, earth, I've done it. I've been there. I'm good. Like, I don't think I need to come back at least for a while. If, if ever. Yeah. For a long time. Yes. Mm -hmm. The first one is a long time. And the second one is, eh, I don't know if I'm coming back or not. That makes a ton of sense. I could see Jordan was, um, so I'm the oldest of four. Jordan was about two years younger than me and died first. And then Joe was the third of four kids and mm -hmm. he died after about four years after Jordan. And yeah, the way you describe that makes perfect sense. Joe was always trying to kind of escape <laughs> our humanness anyways, even when he was uh -huh. here. So I, I see him somewhere in like this galactic federation of light, like just feeling of on purpose and feeling, uh -huh. um, yeah, more alive than the density that earth can sometimes bring. Yes. It, you, you have, oh my God, I'm tingling. You nailed it. Mm -hmm. When I tingle, I'm never wrong. And you're not, <laughs> it's like, whoa, mm -hmm. um, that, that sense of knowing is that tingling that you get from head to toe is just amazing. And I just, oh yes, mm -hmm. you're right on. So right on. I'm curious. I, I feel like, I don't know if you've ever been asked this question before, but what about the people who have near death experiences don't, well, maybe they do cross over, but then they come back. Mm -hmm. And the reason that this sparked in my mind is that Joe actually overdosed three times before he I mean, technically he, he did die some of those times, mm -hmm. but before he fully crossed over, there was three pre previous times, most of them, my mom resuscitated him and brought him back with CPR. And mm -hmm. so, you know, he continued to, to live his Earthside life. And I'm just, he never, he never at least was consciously aware or at least shared with me, I guess I don't know, mm -hmm. um, what those experiences were fully like for him. But having such an intimate experience yourself being the conduit for people who are crossing over and you kind of journeying part of that journey with them. I'm curious if you have any thoughts or insights or perspective on the people who almost cross over and then come and actually, gosh, this is just coming out to my mind now. My aunt two weeks ago coded and she coded for six minutes and she came back. They were able to give her CPR and she came back as well. She was mm -hmm. in the hospital um, with, with COVID actually. And mm -hmm. so I'm just fascinated if you have any insight on that they experience. Were, yes. When they come back, um, they're not done. They say, you're not finished yet. Mm -hmm. um, you have to go back. Mm -hmm. And so they literally come back and, and I can, I hear their words ringing. You're not done yet, or you're not finished yet. You need to go back. You have a few more things to do. Mm -hmm. That's why they come back. Some people, um, when they cross over, another spirit will take their body. And um, because this spirit is done, but the other spirit wasn't quite done. It was a freak accident. Like, oh shit, I'm not done. Oh, mm -hmm. sorry. <laughs> this is an uncensored show. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> and 
so they they literally come back and take up residence and that's why oh they like other things or i want to be called by a different name mm -hmm. they weren't finished yet so they want to come back and finish so they have a conduit to do that mm -hmm. um other people need to when they cross over they need more information they need this they need that they need a knowingness um so that they can continue on with their journey and they need this powerful experience of like oh yeah mm -hmm. this is what i'm going to do they need that information so that they can come back mm -hmm. um just like when you lucid dream sometimes you get this knowingness which is really powerful yeah i really like lucid dreaming mm -hmm. wow there my mind just is in so many places right now as I gather all this information. And mm -hmm. I think it's so powerful for our listeners to be hearing because the way that this conversation is going around death, whether it's a peaceful, mm -hmm. prolonged death, a sudden death, or a near-death experience, like the overarching sensation I'm having in my being is a warmness in my heart. And it's not mm -hmm. that fear that we feel in the pit of the belly or maybe sometimes in the heart as well. And instead it's mm -hmm. just such a different perspective uh, on what is for many people, their greatest fear, their greatest right. fear is of dying. And so I just hope that this conversation is able to bring a different perspective. If not, if you're not ready to maybe allow the full feeling of like peace and acceptance in yet, maybe at least it's a, it's a, the beginning of a different perspective on it's beginning. Yes. life and in death and what comes after <laughs> death. And gosh, Linda, I just, I want to say thank you so much. And I also want to throw it back over to you one more time to just see if there's anything else that you want to be able to provide listeners that so that they can know that they can understand, or maybe even that they can do to support their loved ones or themselves. You know, the one thing that we didn't cover which I know that some people are so frightened of is I'm going to go to hell because I swore at somebody or mm -hmm. I wasn't a good enough person. That's not true. Mm -hmm. There, from my understanding and everything that I've learned and seen and guides angels, hell is between your ears. Yeah. It's what you create. So if you're going to create that, well then, okay, mm -hmm. you can do that. You still have free will as a soul. Mm -hmm. but just knowing that you're never going to stay there. Mm -hmm. You may have to go there because you think you need to go there, mm -hmm. but you know what? Truly the source, God, whatever you call it, mm -hmm. is there loving, guiding, supporting you and you will go on from there. Mm -hmm. And that this is never the end. It's mm -hmm. just a new beginning of which I'm excited for, mm -hmm. you know, as you get older, mm -hmm. will is done. Children are good. Grandchildren are great. Your kitties are wonderful. Mm -hmm. If I died tomorrow, I know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's this calmness, this peacefulness you get from having, knowing what you're, what you're going to and knowing that your life is so going to be of service on the mm -hmm. other side. This listening to my parents, my grandparents, knowing that they're having a full life. Yeah. And um, when I saw my mother on the other side, oh my goodness, a, a little quick story. Mm -hmm. In the basement of the home that my parents lived in, which I 
came home to, mm-hmm. um, there was always an Indian brave in the basement and the de- one bedroom downstairs. He was always there. He says, I'm waiting. I'm going, okay, mom and I are the only ones here. <laughs> so my mother crossed over. And when I saw her in her form that she wanted to be in, she was his Indian princess, mm. which was amazing to see her get to be herself again, mm-hmm. the way she wanted to be. My dad still looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> so does my brother. Um, so fascinating. Well, it's like you were saying before this, we continue to play a role to create that Mm -hmm. there's an experience for us on the other side, there's free will. And like you use the example of the teachers continuing to teach and Mm -hmm. because that's what they love. And Oh yes. So much. So I should have been a teacher, but I teach so much in when I'm doing readings, when I'm working with people, um, contacting them, being, being of service afterwards to them Mm -hmm. so that they still have this knowingness, which in turn they internalize and knowing that they're going to be fine. Absolutely. Um, That's a huge part of it that we didn't touch on, but I can only imagine the the sense of knowing and the peace that is then felt. Like let's say someone's a little skeptical or they have a lot of fear built up mm-hmm. within them. They have you as end of life doula with their loved one. Like witnessing that experience, being there for that experience, I, I would guess like in some ways must provide at least some sense of peace for them when it comes to their own process, having witnessed that, having been present for that and having been able to like ask the questions to their loved Mm -hmm. one or like through you as the conduit. Mm -hmm. And just this knowingness. And then if they truly do go ahead and use the body pendulum of which I've taught them to do, Mm -hmm. and I will continue to teach them until they feel like they're ready. Mm -hmm. Such comfort. Yeah. That they're constantly being able to, to contact. I can hear my parents, my guides, my angels, my God. Um, so it's, it's a running, I'm never alone. <laughs> it, it's running conversations all the time, mm-hmm. um, which for me is incredibly comforting and soothing. Just being, being able to read for people and to give them choices, realities, things like that it is such a, a blessing and it helps them to make choices they want to make. Yeah. The words that are coming up for me are helping someone reclaim their power in what felt like a powerless situation. Yes. Um, To get them to think, oh, well, I have choices. Yeah. Which is so powerful. And you know what? The words that we speak, the words that we think, the things we say are so incredibly important and people just don't realize how important that is Mm -hmm. to be truly conscious of what we speak. Mm-hmm. One of the things is if you say something you don't mean, you should always say out loud, cancel, because it tells God, guide, angels, universe, everyone, okay, didn't mean that, and then off we go. Mm-hmm. Or, be, or it just becomes a running dialogue with a reality that maybe you don't want. That you don't desire, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, well, Linda, thank you so much. Where can everyone either get to know you better, learn more, connect with you? I have a website. It's called getamessagefromheaven.com. 
I also have a phone number of which it's my home number from when I was a little girl, <laughs> seven years old. Um, 319-364-2283. I was going to say, you better have that one memorized, right? And so um, I feel that, yes, you can connect with me through my website, but I also feel like it's really important for you to connect. If you just need to leave me a message, I will always call you back or respond with a text and email because sometimes that's all a person needs. Yeah. It's just for another human being to be there. So um, that's why I feel it's so important that people can connect with me um, and that this is what I'm going to do for the last 30 years of my life. Yeah. And you have a very lifeline because you held your hand up Mm -hmm. and I'm always looking. (laughs) (laughs) You have a very long lifeline Mm -hmm. uh, and very healthy one. I mean, and when I finally get to meet you in person, we can just talk up a storm. Ah, well, thank you for reflecting that back to me. And I just want to mirror back to you that you are absolutely a teacher, whether it's on these podcast interviews or sharing your story or being of service with families and with people who are nearing end of life. I just think what you provide, the conduit role that you play is such a gift and something that I'm just so excited to to see available to people who are going through some of the hardest times in their life. So thank you for the work you do. And thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Empath Podcast. I would so appreciate if you could take a couple minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you loved this episode, please share it on social media, tag me, let your friends know about it, and I will see you on the next episode.